Well, good morning. We are in the uh, third and last uh, week of our emphasis, our annual emphasis upon global mission or outreach. And the reason we do this every year is because we truly believe that God calls us to have a heart and, and love for not just the folks that are like us, the folks who are near family or friends or neighbors, but also a heart and a love uh, and a call to go and to tell others about the love of Jesus Christ in different cultures in different countries all around the globe. Jesus himself said as much in the Great Commission, go into all the world and make disciples and teach them to, do, to obey everything I command in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So we have this call and this commission as believers. And, and today, in the last week, we're going to be looking at this passage that was just read by Aaron out of Genesis chapter 12. A few short verses but have a, that have a great impact upon our understanding of God's work in our lives and his call upon our lives as well. It's the story of Abraham. And we're not going to look at all of Abraham's story. It's a long story from Genesis chapter 12 through Genesis chapter 25. But these first three verses are where we are first introduced to Abraham. And Abraham, it's been said, is one of the most important people in the Bible. Outside of Jesus Christ, perhaps the most important person in the Bible. Consider these facts. Uh, He is revered by the followers of three major world religions, Christianity, of course, Judaism, and Islam. He is the founder and father of the nation of Israel. He is mentioned by name 308 different times in the Old and New Testaments. He's a preeminent man of faith in the Bible, and he's a person whose life changed the course of world history. Consider one other thing. Abraham is the most important person in the Old Testament. Of course, Jesus Christ is the most important person in the New. Now listen to how the first verse of the first chapter of the, Old, of the New Testament begins. A record of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David and the son of Abraham. So when Matthew wants to impress upon his readers just, just uh, the significance of who Jesus Christ really is, He links him with the greatest king of Israel, David, and with the founder and father of Israel, Abraham. Another example, in Hebrews 11, uh, when the writer of Hebrews 11 (laughs) wants to explain what the life of faith looks like, what's this look like when we follow Jesus Christ in faith? He gives more space to Abraham than to anybody else in the, the faith hall of fame in Hebrews 11. Jesus speaks of Abraham's faith. So did the apostle Paul. And over and over again, the New Testament repeats a simple phrase, Abraham believed God. In a nutshell, that's what faith is. Faith is believing God and then acting upon that belief. Faith is is believing God, trusting God, and in the midst of doubts and circumstances that are difficult, in the midst of struggles, it's in acting upon that belief and trusting God. And so my my hope is by the time we walk out of here this morning, you've been challenged to think about moving closer in your belief and trust in God, to take him at his word, and then to step out in that faith. Now, to understand Abraham's life, we have to step back about 40 centuries, 4,000 years ago. And uh, we, we go to a place called Ur of the Chaldees, which was a large city on the banks of the Euphrates River, which still exists today, the Euphrates, not Ur. The Euphrates River flows through modern-day Iraq and empties into the Persian Gulf not too far from Kuwait. 
And historians tell us that Ur was one of the most important cities of the ancient world. It was up to around maybe a quarter of a million people lived there, which was an enormous city at that time in history. It was known for an ancient, for, it was known for its university and large library. It was known to be a place of international commerce, uh, sort of a, sort of like a Chicago or a New York or a London or Singapore or Tokyo. It was also, we know, a center of pagan worship. Archaeologists have unearthed evidence and, and through their digs that most of the people of Ur worshipped the moon goddess called Nana. And we, and we know from other places in the Old Testament that Abraham's family were idol worshippers, so he would have been raised in that culture. He would have been raised to be an idol worshipper to worship the moon goddess as well. What else do we know about Abraham? Well, as we read through his story, we learn he's about 75 years old when we meet him. Uh, he's a successful landowner, businessman. He's married to his wife, Sarah, and they have no kids. We also can tell it seems to be to, to the case that Abraham is not actively looking for God. I mean, why does he need the God of the Bible? Everything seems to be going well for him. He's in a good place in life. But God was looking for Abraham. And Abraham's life changed when God reached out to him, revealed himself, spoke to him and called him. Listen again to Genesis 12. The Lord had said to Abraham, leave your country, your people and your father's household and go to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you and I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. And I will bless those who bless you and whoever curses you, I will curse and all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. And everything that follows Genesis 12 Everything all the way through the Old Testament, everything all the way through the New Testament, including the coming of Christ, including his death and resurrection, including the establishment of the church, including the promise of Christ's return in the last book of the Bible, Revelation, all of this flows and emanates and originates out of God's promise to Abraham here in Genesis 12. Though God... Though Abraham was not looking for God, God was looking for him. And each one of us were in that place. We, we say we found God, true, but God made the first move. Salvation always begins with God, not with us. John 3.16, a well-known verse. Jesus said, God so loved the world, he sent his only begotten son. God makes the move. He sends his son, we Need to respond. Or, or Paul writes this in Romans 5.8. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. God makes the move. While we're still sinners, it's our move then to make a response. So think about this. Abraham is going through life. He's in the prime of life. He's got a nice nest egg. He's married, happily, we assume. He's got friends and neighbors. He knows the people. He knows the culture. And God comes to him and says, leave your country, leave your people, leave your father's household, and go to this land that, by the way, you've never been to, never heard of. Now, we have the benefit 
here on April 29th, 2018, we have the benefit of knowing having the Old Testament and the New Testament and history. We can look back and see how amazing the promise of God really is. Abraham had none of that. We know more about Abraham's call than he ever did because we know about Jesus Christ. We know about God's plan to bless Abraham so we, he could be a blessing to others and so we could be a blessing to others as well. And Abraham was being asked to forsake everything he knew and everything he had to follow God's call. What would you do if you were in that situation? You've got a great 401k. Your kids are in a great place. You've got a great job, great future. Everything's clicking. The last thing you want to do is move. And this God whom Abraham has just met, just met for the first time, wants him to leave everything. Hebrews 11, 8 puts it this way. By faith, when called to go to a place he would later receive as his inheritance, Abraham obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going. He obeyed and he went. Wouldn't that be a great thing to have said about you in relationship to your relationship with God? He obeyed and he went. He heard from God. He responded. And that's how it works in the life of faith. Many times we're called to step out in faith. We don't always know how it's going to work out in the end. We don't always have the the big picture. We don't always know in advance. When God calls us, He doesn't always give us all the details. But he always gives us enough to keep us moving in the right direction. And then we are to leave the rest up to him. God called. Abraham obeyed. It says he obeyed and went. He may have doubted, but he went. He may have wondered, but he went. He may have argued, but he went. Remember those, uh, maybe some of you who are of a certain age will remember Greyhound, the new bus company. Most of us don't use the bus anymore to get around. But uh, back in the day, they had these commercials, and uh, the, the tagline, the motto was, Go Greyhound and leave the driving to us. That's not a bad motto for the life of faith. When God calls, get on board, move out, leave the driving to him. Deal Moody once wrote, Some say faith is the gift of God, so is the air, but you have to breathe it. So is bread, but you have to eat it. So is water, but you have to drink it. Faith means taking God at his word and then leaving Ur for the promised land. The greatest adventure that we will ever know begins the moment we say yes to God's call upon our lives. And God asks nothing more of us than he asks of Abraham. That we believe his word and act upon it. We might say my faith is weak. Mine is at times as well. But God is strong. If we will put our, our lives in God's mighty hands, he will guide us step by step. The all-seeing God, our our loving Father, has charted our course and he will lead us to the promised land. Though we don't know all the, the turns and the challenges and the surprises, the obstacles along the way, faith is 
is responding to his call, responding to his word to us, obeying and going. God calls each one of us in a variety of circumstances to go, 